Good evening. Hello, welcome. Welcome to our Shawnee Mission School District Board of Education regular meeting of September 9th. Our first order of business is the Pledge of Allegiance, and I will invite our friends from Merriam Park to come on up front and lead us in the Pledge of Allegiance. Please stand. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Great job. And Mrs. Simononi, would you like to introduce our guests? Hello, everyone. I'm Amy Simeonov, the principal at Merriam Park. And come on over here, kids. I'm going to let, they're going to introduce themselves. Here, can I just do this? That'll work. Hello, I am Samantha Wilt from second grade. Good job. Hello, I am Maddie. From kindergarten. Good job. Hello, I am Andrew from second grade. Good job. Hello, I'm Jane Chanel from first grade. Good job. Hello, I am Caleb Chanel from third grade. Good job. The taller ones have an advantage. Hello, my name is Hannah Chanel from fifth grade. Hello, my name is Joshua. Anthony Hernandez from fourth grade. Hello, my name's Lydia Michelle Hernandez and I'm from second grade. Good job, thank you. Nice job, kids. I would just like to quickly say thank you to the parents for bringing your children here to have this experience tonight. We really appreciate it. Great, thank you for being here. And our next item on the agenda is the adoption of the agenda. And I'll turn to the board for, uh, to adopt the agenda. So moved. Thank you, Mrs. Goodburn. Second. Thank you, Mrs. Zila. All those in favor of adopting the agenda as presented this evening, please say aye. 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 Those opposed, nay. No. That's 7-0. Seven zero. Seven <laughs> uh, and next, we will have the um, approval of the minutes from our regular meeting of August 26th. So moved. Thank you, Mrs. Second. Owsley. Thank yeah. you, Ms. Dr. Sinclair. All those in favor, please say aye. 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 Those opposed, nay. That passes 7-0. We now have the <laughs> approval of our minutes from our uh, retreat of the board on August 27th. Move approval. Second. Thank you, Mrs. Mack. Thank you, Mrs. Goodburn. All those in favor, please say aye. 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 Those opposed, nay. That's approved 7-0. And the next item is the approval of the minutes of our special meeting August 27th. So moved. Thank you, Mrs. Second. Zila. Thank you, Mrs. Goodburn. All those in favor, please say aye. 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 Opposed, nay. And that is approved 7-0. And we now move down to section two, which is communication items. And Dr. Or Dr. Fulton, you're up. Superintendent report. Welcome. Okay, thank you. It's great to see everybody out this evening. Thanks for attending the board meeting. I want to start off um, recognizing the great event that we had last week. And that was our foundation fall breakfast celebrating the 50th anniversary of the Shawnee Mission Unified School District. A number of folks, uh, about 1,200 people, attended the annual Shawnee Mission Education Foundation breakfast. 
uh, is a phenomenal event where the community celebrated the district's legacy of excellence and the many ways that we're challenging today's learners and inspiring tomorrow's leaders. And uh, we're really pleased to be able to share our community's strategic plan that is serving as our roadmap for this continuing journey of excellence. And uh, the chance to do that with a sold out crowd was fantastic. At the foundation breakfast, we had an opportunity to introduce a new initiative, Scholarship Shawnee Mission. Kim Hinkle will be coming in just a second to speak about that. But before she does, just want to send our note of appreciation to all who made this event possible and thank the Shawnee Mission Education Foundation for the many ways it promotes innovative and challenging teaching and learning across the district. And with that, Kim, uh, I'd like to invite you to come forward and share a little bit more information about that scholarship. Sure. Thank you so much, Dr. Fulton, Mr. Stratton, and members of the board. I appreciate you inviting me here tonight to talk about Scholarship Shawnee Mission, which is the foundation's newest program, and we are so excited about it. We had our big rollout on Thursday morning, and I want to thank all of you for being there um, in support of the breakfast and celebrating the 50th. And so Scholarship Shawnee Mission is really a program that seeks to identify um, college and university partners who are interested in offering scholarship opportunities to Shawnee Mission students. And we based it on uh, kind of the idea of how student athletes might be recruited. And so if you're a star basketball player, you are going to go out on the court and do your thing and colleges are going to watch you and come to you and say, hey, this is a student that we want at our college. They, I'm not going to get too much into the basketball because then you'll realize I don't really know what I'm talking about <laughs> with that. But this is, this is a student that we want at our school. And uh, we believe that regular, hardworking, smart, shiny mission students should be recruited in the same way. We know the admissions process to college can sometimes be intimidating for any student, um, especially those who may be first generation. And so um, this is a way to really bring those opportunities to students before they've even applied to college. And so we um, uh, have really kind of kicked off the program with the hiring of our new program officer, Ed Marquez, and, and that was on July 1st. So far we have 27 college and university partners. They range two-year, four-year, um, private, public, in Kansas, Missouri, um, Iowa, Nebraska, Oklahoma, Arkansas. Um, so that's just kind of the first six weeks. So uh, we plan to expand greatly for next year. And our goal in the first three years is to have a variety of schools all across the country competing for our kids, um, as well as um, trade schools and other career opportunities that um, that will uh, be offering opportunities to our students who maybe aren't on a path um, or aren't interested in a four-year college experience. And so we announced the overall number. These are scholarship offers to our students. So just like that basketball player, um, the different colleges have presented uh, different offers and our students will have to decide on which, on which one works best for them in consultation with their families and their counselor at their high school. And then, um, and then choose one, or maybe not choose one at all. Um, certainly they're under no obligation. Their parents opted into the program to bring these opportunities to our students, but um, maybe they decide to go to a college that's not part of the program. So um, there's really no downside to participate and, and kind of see what, uh, what colleges and universities are interested in um, 
and recruiting you with lots of money. Mm -hmm. So, um, so we did announce a number at the breakfast um, in, in looking at what we've gotten back from colleges so far, and they're not actually all in yet. Um, so we're over half a billion now, but that number is expected to grow. And then we will be going to all five high schools in October, but we're not releasing the date of those just yet. Um, and notifying all of the students at that time at each high school um, what their offers um, look like so far. So I would be happy to answer any questions you have or anything to clarify, and thanks so much for your support. So, so I'll first turn to the only board member that still has kids possibly eligible for that. <laughs> and my question is from another parent who, um, I don't know how all the other parents handle this at the beginning of the year, but you go in Skyward and you think you filled out everything. And I had a mom call me, and she was very concerned. What if she hadn't checked the box? in Skyward, right. is it too late? And I said, I'm not sure, but I imagine it's like ongoing throughout the year. Sure. So it, if someone is nervous that they didn't check the mark to have their child participate, can they confirm with Ed and get that taken care of? They, so they can. can and for the seniors for this year, the deadline has passed. And we communicated that in a number of different ways, both mm -hmm. um, kind of from a district level and from the school levels coming out about those deadlines. Um, and so those parents have received that information. We have about an 85% um, opt-in rate for seniors. And um, and so, but we also actually made the opt-in available for anyone in seventh grade and up. Mm -hmm. And so once parents are opted in, they don't have to worry about that. They could always opt out if they choose to, but um, once they're in, they're in. And so, um, and so certainly they can, uh, reach out and we can let them know, especially the younger students, the, the juniors and under, um, so that they make sure that they're ready to go for next year. Um, but it was just, I, I checked and I looked, and it's just checking a box in Skyward was all that had to happen, and then everything else was taken care of. So if you were in Skyward and you completed the paperwork, you saw it pop up on your screen it was yes it was, it was and it's it's in the list of a, a number of things that parent kind of that first of school online verification housekeeping that happens when you say that you will um, allow uh, you know the photograph release for your children and there's a number of kind of things that you check off and they're all they're all there together thank you you're welcome this is Mac um thank you this is in incredible, um, and dreams I know will come true from this. Can you maybe explain a little bit more? Are, um, do the colleges give you the criteria for the students that they're looking for? Is it vice versa? It's vice versa. We send every student who's opted in to the colleges, and then they identify those students um, based on their data that so they. I'm sorry. Go ahead. That they are interested in offering the scholarships to, and I'll I'll point out to that this is all merit-based scholarships. So this is before financial aid. Mm -hmm. um, this is before a FAFSA. This is even before um, some students may click up a couple points on their ACT, or when they apply, the college may realize, wow, we offered this much to this student, but we didn't realize they were also a talented tuba player. We really are needing more tuba players. And so um, this is really the baseline for what they're offered, but we anticipate a lot of our students will be offered more when they actually narrow down the choices and choose to apply. Well, and, and you actually just, 
um, called to question my next question, which is, so I know when my kids were in high school, they had to build a resume of the extracurriculars, et cetera, that they do. Do you, how, how does that go into the system? And also, what about if they do um, things in their community or their church? How is sure. that put into the system? So... Um, it's not at this time. This is really based on academic merit-based uh, scholarship. So there's always room for more. And that's what I think we, we will encourage our students when they look at what, you know, they've been offered and are kind of weighing their, um, the different options and opportunities is the fact that, you know, adding more of that could also garner additional funds as well as, financial aid, um, you know, on the need-based side as they're going through the application process. Well done. Thank Thanks. you for doing this. Thanks. Mrs. Zila. Well, I, I was so struck by the two students that you had up there. Was it really under false pretenses? Oh, completely. I just stage? lied to them so badly. <laughs> and it was really hard because... We had featured some of our leadership Shawnee Mission students. You'll remember uh, Misty on her segue. And so... I thought, okay, I, I had invited all the leadership Shawnee Mission students to be at the breakfast, but I also know students have something come up or they miss the bus or, and so I reached out to say, oh, we want to bring you on stage to ask you just a couple of questions about your, your leadership Shawnee Mission internship experience. And they said, great. And then I said, you know, uh, if you want to invite your parents, they can come, you, you know, but, but no big deal. I mean, it was kind of a a weighing game between not making it so big of a deal that they smelled something was going on. So yes, it was under false pretenses. But they were happy. (laughs) (laughs) They were fine. I think they were glad they didn't have to talk, actually. Yeah. (laughs) If I was their parents sitting in there and going, oh, my child just got half a million dollars in scholarship money. Wow. That was amazing. I mean, just blew me away. I was not expecting all of those zeros on there for scholarships. Fabulous program. Thank you. Thank you. Dr. Sinclair. Okay, two-part question. Um, so I still have two kids in college. Is there a retroactive opportunity? <laughs> you are not the first time. Uh, we are also getting calls from other school districts and, in fact, other states. And, unfortunately, it's just for current it's great. Shawnee Mission. But if they want to maybe come back and read I think they made a movie about that at, at one point. So... Uh, okay, my actual, my other question is, so is this essentially early admissions? So that, so this is a student, it's, it's kind of early admissions with a promise of scholarship funding based on academic performance. It is, it is the promise of scholarships if the student seeks admission. So, um, so the student will still have to apply. Um, so they would apply yeah. and they would be accepted if all the information is... Right, and so... Uh, they are making these offers based on data as of the end of junior year. Okay. Um, and so uh, let's say that a student got into their first semester of senior year and decided to never attend class and not take a test. I mean, then certainly these scholarships would not be guaranteed. But based on the data, if they keep up or they tick higher and they could get more. And they can continue to update that academic progress and might become available for other scholarships as well. Correct, yeah. correct. And there's certainly a number of scholarships out there that are not the dollars held by colleges, um, you know, the privately held do- dollars right. from colleges. Okay. So they could certainly apply for other scholarships outside of this too. This to supplement. Thank you. You're welcome. Great. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah. I appreciate it.
Thank you, Kim. It's very exciting. Um, well, September is National Attendance Awareness Month, and the Shawnee Mission School District joins schools across the country in recognizing the connection between strong school attendance and academic achievement. We know that in the classroom, uh, that students experience robust opportunities that challenge them to achieve their full potential. potential. Um, but they can't experience those opportunities if they're not there. So we want to do everything we can to encourage our students to attend school. So we look forward to participating and, and putting special focus on school attendance during the month of September. We also want to recognize Carrie Pollan, a structured learning classroom or SLC teacher at Tomahawk Elementary. Carrie will be recognized as a 2019, pardon me, <coughs> Outstanding Educator of Students with Autism Award. Uh, Carrie will be recognized by the Midwest Symposium for Leadership and Behavior Disorders in October. Tomahawk Principal Brian Watson said her strengths include communicating with her students' family members every day and continually creating teaching materials for students to use at home. She'll be formally recognized at a conference in October. So congratulations to her. Job well done. We have several uh, Highlands Elementary School students uh, who stopped by the Center for Academic Achievement and presented a special thank you to our district staff. They presented a plaque saying that the school community thanks the district for its security, diligence, and dedication in responding to the school's needs. We appreciate this gesture of gratitude and continue our commitment to providing support to Highlands and indeed every school in our district to make sure that they have a safe learning environment. So many thanks to the students from Highlands Elementary. Recently, principals and community volunteers gathered at Shawnee Mission West High School to discuss how to best support Shawnee Mission School communities throughout the year. Caring for Kids hosted a kickoff event with the goal of helping volunteers identify partnership projects that best support the goals of school communities. There were a number of plans that have started and we look forward to seeing the many ways that these connections can strengthen our schools. You know, it takes all of us to educate children and we really appreciate everything that the community does to help in that effort. So congratulations to all of these uh, recognized folks and everyone else who comes to work, works hard every day to do their personal best, help all of our students learn. That concludes my report. Great, thank you. Any questions about the report? Then I'm gonna draw out for just a second while we introduce uh, Dr. Fulton on his next presentation, which is an update on the strategic plan. Well, throughout the school year, we're going to provide updates to you on our strategic plan. Tonight is very much about process, and so the slides that I'm going to go through are designed to simply give you an update on where we are at the moment in um, putting some groups together and getting them working on important action steps related to our strategic plan. These are not all the groups, uh, as you may be aware. Uh, we have a, uh, an ask for that went out to our school community for people who would be interested in serving on some of these planning teams. Uh, we've had a lot, of re a lot of responses. Lots of people want to be part of this process. That's good. And so we'll, we will bring more information forward to you about what some of those groups are and that, how they'll be engaging with the strategic plan. But tonight, 
I'm going to focus on three. You know, as we bring folks together to work on our action steps, the purpose of those groups really is to research topics and uh, identify best practices that lead to recommendations. Those recommendations may be about policy, they may be about practice, but we want to be thoughtful in our work and use good data and research to inform our decision making as we walk down our journey of helping every student have a personalized learning plan that helps them be college and career ready and provides them with the inter interpersonal skills they need for life success. So the first group is the District Real World Learning Task Force. And so uh, this is part of Strategy 1, Action Plan 2. You can see the action steps there. I'm not going to read those to you. This group is directly connected to the grant that we received from the Kauffman Foundation. And as you're aware, that grant in turn connects us to about 15 different school districts throughout the Kansas City metropolitan area to really begin to think about how can we do an even better job of making sure that all of our students are college and career ready. How can we take the programs that we have and make them better? And then how can we expand opportunities for all of our students in the in potential career fields that might interest them? And so the purpose of that group, again, is to engage in research. They're going to look at data that will come up with recommendations that are specific to the high school level. Now, this work does have a K-8 through component, but this year we're going to focus on the high school. You might remember from your board committee structures that we have different kinds of committees. This is a district level committee, and as such, it would either report directly to the board or it would report to the superintendent. In this case, the work of this committee will come to the superintendent and then eventually to you as a board. But it'll go to the superintendent first. Um, it's also important to note that as we get into these meetings, um, some of them are going to be open for public observation. And this is one of them. So if people would like to come and observe the conversation, they can. They're more than welcome. We're going to have a lot of members. This is a big topic that requires in-depth study. And you get a sense of some of the membership here. There's uh, staff, teachers, administrators, parents, students, community members, business partners. And so those will all be important members. We also have an opportunity for one or two board members to participate in this as well. That's unusual. This is really the only committee that will have a board member on it. One of the reasons for that is, is that the, the way that the Kauffman Foundation grant is, is uh, designed, they really want and expect strong board support should we submit a proposal for uh, a more, shall we say, robust grant opportunity from the Kauffman Foundation. So that's, how, that's that group. We also are going to have a district facilities task force. Now they're going to work on strategy five, action plan one, looking at that strategic potential bond issue, and they're going to be dealing with those two action steps that you see. Um, they are going to really uh, focus on having an initial meeting with the, ex with the group 
that met last year to focus on facilities as part of the strategic planning process. So we're going to bring back that same group, a group that's representative of the district. They're going to meet tomorrow night. That's their first meeting here at the CAA from 5 to 6.30. And then they are going to have a series of meetings at each of the high schools. Those meetings are designed to give information about potential bond issue projects uh, that impact the entire district, but also they would look specifically at projects that would be going on in those, at those uh, attendance areas. And so you can see the dates and times for those meetings. The actual location in the high school is yet to be determined. They will take all of that information from those meetings because those meetings are interactive. Anybody can come. Uh, there's not a presentation. You can kind of go around the stations, ask questions, get information. Uh, we'll work on providing some kind of a feedback mechanism for attendees. And then we'll take all that information and they'll come, that committee will come back together on November 12th and then they'll, they'll look at the data and decide whether they're, at, whether they're at a point where they can make some recommendations about a potential future bond issue. And then finally, uh, the district site council, that is a state requirement, as you, as you well know. The district site councils are composed of parents, community, business leaders, and so on, and they serve an advisory function to the district. This, their, their report actually goes to the superintendent. Uh, not this, this information doesn't come to the board, but because of the nature of this group, that too is uh, uh, something that would be open to the public to observe. Now, their next meeting is Wednesday, September 18th at 6 p.m. Uh, at Shawnee Mission West. That is the same night and the same place where we will be bringing together all of the building site councils to get a district overview of the strategic plan along with things that would be more specific to the site councils, including an overview of district data, whether that's achievement, discipline, or so on. And so, uh, again, the public is invited to go to that portion of it that involves the district site council and um, the overview of the district data. So with that, um, be happy to answer any questions. Board members with questions. A lot of new information there. Yes, Dr. Sinclair. Um, thank you for this. Uh, I have um, two kind of process questions. Um, one, are there, do, where are we at in the, the process of accepting people who want to serve on committees? Is that closed for these three groups? Or is that still open? Are you still I looking believe, for I believe these three groups are identified, but the other groups still, is, we, we have people that have submitted names. I'm going to have Dr. Hubbard speak to that a little bit more directly. So the Kaufman group is established because Kaufman specifically gave us parameters. And I mean, obviously, CTE teachers have to be on those committees. So Kaufman is established. That's the, the first one, the district the real, real world. world. Yes. Okay. Some of the other committees will have volunteers. So we opened up the Google form uh, last Wednesday, and mm -hmm. we plan to keep it open through this Wednesday. 
We're already, um, when I looked Friday before I left, we were already over 200 people, so we have lots of volunteers already. Okay. Um, the Spanish version of that went out as well, so Good. we're um, waiting. We're going to close that on Wednesday, and then from there, we'll be doing a lottery process. I mean, if you said strategy one, you're going to be in a lottery of names, and we're going to say, we need an East parent. We're going to draw. We'll fill if we get a second East parent, they will go back in the pot because we're going to pull based on feeder pattern, based on parents, based on teachers, based on whatever membership we need for those particular committees. Great. Thank you. That's very helpful. So to, so open till Wednesday, lottery selection process within those kind of representative categories you're looking for. Correct. Fantastic. And I, I'll okay. come back at the next board meeting with a, a, okay. a list of those groups that we'll be forming. Okay, and if I wanted to go find that, I would go to the website and I would find a link. So I'm making. <laughs> <get up again. laughs> That's okay. It's on the website. We will link it on the website. We will link it on the website. It was pushed. Pushed out. We'll make sure it's linked. I know. I would also. Uh, I should. Here, go ahead and come on. Some of those committees will be um, volunteer, and some will be appointed because there will be people that we need to appoint for their expertise. Great. Just want to make sure. Okay. Thank you. I, I might add too. There will be there will be some groups that will be staff only because they're mostly they're doing a deep dive into say curriculum issues, and so those are ones that really are going to involve staff working on. Okay. Go ahead. Okay. So the other piece is on the district facilities task force. Was there any conversation about making that a standing committee? And versus a task force that would kind of look at also kind of capital outlay kinds of issues beyond the um, bond or not at this point because um, okay. this group would have this very specific purpose of looking at what we might need to do should the board decide to go out for a bond issue at some point in the near future and so there's their their assignments very task specific okay so no, in short, no. That could be another. It could group be something to consider. If you're not. Yeah. Okay, it could so. be something to consider for the future, absolutely, but not this specific group at this time. Okay. Thank you. Other questions? All right. Thank you for the update. You're welcome. I'll move on to board report uh, section 2.03, and the first up is the uh, Shawnee Mission Area Council PTA, Mrs. Mack. Thank you, Mr. Stratton. Um, I, was, I attended the executive board meeting the other night, and um, there are some upcoming events, but they also said that there are volunteers needed at the clothing center, so you can contact SMAC if you would like to volunteer there. The upcoming events are September 16th, the elementary PTA presidents and the super superintendent advisory committee will meet in this room at 6.30 p.m. On uh, September the 18th, the secondary PTA presidents will be meeting at 9 a.m. here at the center. And on October 1st, there is a candidate forum at Shawnee Mission West, which is being sponsored by Shawnee Missionary Council PTA. All right, thank you for the update. And we just had the foundation report, so we're all set there? All set. Great. And um, Reverend Guy, update on KSB board? Um, Mrs. Wintering passed out the sign-up sheets for the convention that will be held first weekend in December. So I encourage you to fill those out and return them to her as quickly as possible so that we can uh, get registered and get signed up for any of the either pre-conference or the, the conference in total um, that you are able and willing to attend. 
Thank you. And um, Dr. Sinclair, Legislative Government Relations. A draft of that report from the KASB legislative meeting has been posted to their website and I forwarded a link to that preliminary report that will be shared at the roundtables, kind of discussions of legislative priorities um, to be forwarded to the board just for ease of access or you can go straight to the KASB website and search around for it. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Mrs. Goodburn, an update on nominating committee for KASB. I would love to do that. Uh, we met this Saturday in Topeka, 14 other board members from all over the state who all had the same job that I have, serving on the nominating committee. We vetted candidates who applied to be president-elect of KASB, and the committee voted to endorse, Brad, to endorse Brad Bergsma, you all may know him, I know Ms. Zealand knows him, who's a member of the Goodland USD 352 board and currently serving as the Region 9 vice president on the KASB board of directors. Uh, more information, including the candidates guide, will be distributed at the Fall Regional Roundtable meeting September 26th that we've all been invited to in Olathe. Um, and more complete information was also emailed out to us, I believe, today uh, from KASB if you wanted to read his full bio and all that kind of stuff. So anyway, job, yeah, and that completes my job um, for the nominating committee. We are Great. Done. Thank you for doing that. I know it is a commitment for that one Saturday. And, um, it's always good to hear, hear um, what they have to say. Good. It's really fun. Thank you for representing us. And I'll turn back to you for an update on the Policy Review Committee. Sure. Um, policy Committee meets once a month, and our meeting is scheduled for this week. Um, this month, we'll be revisiting the language on the two policies that I pulled from the agenda last, uh, last two weeks ago. That was JAOC or GAOC and JCDAA, which were um, about the, um, the we we had discussed the uh, uh, some kind of exception that we needed to make make for nicotine delivery devices, and so we will be um, FDA approved, I should say, nicotine delivery de devices. So we'll be talking about that Wednesday. Um, and also, we will be also looking at potential revisions to AC, our non-discrimination policy. Okay. Great. Thank you for that. And uh, we move on to public comment. Mr. Mrs. Wittering, do we have anyone? All right. Thank you. Um, next is uh, Section 3, and it's our discussion items. And the first one is the Strategic Planning Baseline Data Report. Yes, I'm going to have Dr. Hubbard come forward with, uh, or with Dan Grumman. It's... I know I'm going to do the bulk of the presentation, but. So uh, Dr. Fulton had mentioned earlier that uh, some uh, site councils will be meeting uh, shortly, coming up on September 18th. And so what, what I'm here to share with you is uh, some additional details about what to expect in, those, um, in some of those meetings. And in particular, I want to make sure, and I uh, was asked to address two different topics. Uh, one was around uh, data practices and how um, we want to make sure that we're protecting personally identifiable information. And the other piece would be um, some templates that, that we'll use for the presentation of data so that we have some consistency in the, in, in the way in which um, you can read the charts and graphs and things like that. So, Dr. Grumman, I'm going to ask a favor. Could you yes. introduce yourself as to what your role is, just so okay. everybody that's watching? So my name is uh, Dr. Dan Grumman. I'm the coordinator of assessment and research for the district. Great. That way, then, when so, Dr. Hubbard comes up, too, we can... The folks that they're watching can know who's who on, or helping us with it. Thank you. Go Great, ahead. thank you. So, um, so many of us are familiar with the, the FERPA, the Family Educational Rights and Privacy Act, which applies to much of uh, educational data. 
Uh, there's two um, major components, I suppose, for, for that law. One involves um, access, like families' access to their own student data within, within the system. The other side of it deals with uh, privacy protections against disclosure of, to unauthorized agencies and individuals. And that's the piece that we're, we're looking at today. So we have an obligation within the district to make sure that we're protecting student data through, um, through our reports and through the, the data that we, um, that we share um, in the public eye and, and through research processes. So, and there are three different types of disclosures that we have to be aware of and be careful with. The first would be the identity disclosure, which is the direct sharing of data. For example, if you're um, sharing a, a list of students with birthdays or a list of students in the graduation class with their ACT scores, there's certain types of disclosure that, that are okay and there's other types um, that are not. Uh, attribute disclosure is um, more uh, of an indirect uh, disclosure. We have to be careful, for example, in this case to maybe not share first names with birth dates because you could easily figure out the student's last names in the class list. And the third type of disclosure is this inferential disclosure, um, which can occur when you're working with um, small groups of students um, and, and, and where you're trying to avoid the um, likelihood of somebody tr identifying students based on other pieces of information. Uh, we have um, you know, when we, when we share data on, on uh, uh, performance of Shawnee Mission students or, or um, uh, discipline data or sometimes even some health aggregate data, we have students that are our neighbors, right? And sometimes we have other types of information that we already know about our neighbors that could then be inferenced in, the, in a data set that we share. So we have to be careful with, 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 um, with small data sets. So there are some techniques that, that we will use to avoid uh, this type of disclosure, particularly as we're sharing reports with uh, site councils, where we'll have a lot of community members involved. Um, in the case of, uh, for example, if we're working with somebody on a, on, a, on, a, on a research project, we were careful not to, uh, to we're careful to de-identify data sets. For example, you'd remove names and birth dates, and then we'd also have to look a little deeper to um, Identify singletons in those data sets. For example, we don't have a large number of American Indian students in the district. And if we're providing a race ethnicity category in that data set, we want to make sure to remove it or combine it with some other uh, category so as not to um, single students out in, in that data set. Uh, another common method is to, to, to suppress data that have minimal group sizes, and these thresholds of 10 and 30 are commonly used, uh, for example, by the Kansas State Department of Education and the U.S. Department of Education, especially that threshold of 10, where really if it's a group of 10 or smaller, they, they have to be somehow redacted or hidden, or, or um, blurring is another term, too, where you might just um, uh, highlight a range. Um, and then some other techniques are, like I've mentioned before, of combining groups. So you might have two very small groups, you might combine them together so you get a large enough group size um, to, um, uh, to, to be able to, to um, suppress some of the data but be, a, be able to draw some kind of conclusion uh, or make some decisions based on that data set. Uh, so just a quick example of that, this might be a table that we might be able to share with a, a building principal, for example. Let's say if this were a, a fifth grade class, they would be authorized to see the data that's within their own building, um, but we 
could not necessarily share this information with the site council um, because, for example, if you happen to know who the four students are in that level one category, you would also know that all four of those students were receiving free and reduced lunch support. <coughs> so um, we would have to then um, do some things on this data set to, to uh, avoid those kind of disclosures. Um, it's a little bit of an art and a science sometimes. If we were to just wipe out the groups of 10 or smaller, you probably couldn't draw any conclusions from this data set, so there might be some other techniques that, that, that I'd have to apply to, to this type of table. Any other questions about, yeah? So I, yeah, so I appreciate the distinction that you're making here is these are applying the data for building level or district level decisions. Mm -hmm. Clearly if this were about an individual student and a, and a PLC time, you know, the that that individual data would be very much informing practice. And so in this case, the idea is not necessarily suppressing if we're seeing some differentiation, but maybe using language or something like that. So the next step would be how do you, if you were to report, like this table, let's say mm -hmm. it has meaningful data, could you then just maybe talk about this in terms of rather right. than so numbers, I it could be... Right. So what I might do, uh, uh, for example, is, is um, out of the 22 students, rather than representing uh, numbers there the, and, or showing five out of 22 students in level two in that full pay lunch area, uh, I might give a percentage range, right? So you can you still know it's approximately 25, 20, 20, 25% of the students in that group, um, but I might write it as 20 to 30 percent and rather than uh, writing a 22 there I might say approximately 20 students in this group. So it's trying to get the data in a way that doesn't identify the individual students. Correct. But the essence of what we're seeing would still be conveyed Correct. to help inform decisions. Right. Okay. I just wanted to make sure that was right. clear. Thank you. Other questions on that section of the report? Okay. Thank you. The, the next section uh, is looking forward to um, the strategic planning um, uh, baseline data that we'll be sharing with um, the uh, site councils and, and not only with the district site council but in uh, building principals will have an opportunity to share some of their building level data as well um, with, with, uh, with their own uh, local site councils. And so here's, a, here's an example of, of what that template looks like. What we're trying to make an effort to make sure that as we look at a variety of data sets, whether it's ACT or state assessment or um, a, a participation data, course completion data that that um, that we're able to truly as as much as possible to read that information in the same way. So this is an example of what that that template would look like. This is uh, some ACT performance data, which um, by the way we're anticipating uh, ACT data to come forward in within the next few weeks or so. So we're kind of waiting for that email to come through. Um, but you see on here, first of all, in the center, or, you know, at the top, we have a, a descriptive title that tells you, like in this case, it's uh, graduating class cohorts. At the bottom, we try to would, would write in some observations so that as you're reading this data for the first time, you have an opportunity to figure out what it is that when Dan Grumman created this graph, what, what is some way to, to read that information. Um, on the right, some connections to the strategic plan. So you'll, you'll see the goals that, that that graph is somewhat related to. And at the bottom is, is, uh, would be additional notes that would be specific to where that data set comes from. And most importantly for me is as you're moving forward over the course of the next five years, we want to make sure that we're 
looking at that data in a consistent manner. So whatever structure, whatever parameters we have in place for 2019, we're using those same parameters every year um, moving forward so we have comparative, comparative numbers. Uh, here's an example of what that would look like with Kansas State Assessment data. So you have the four performance levels by subgroup. Um, I have approximate uh, group sizes going across the bottom because those group sizes do vary a little bit from one year to the next, but you have an idea of how large those groups are um, and some observations in those additional notes. This is an example of what that might look like when we're thinking about uh, student individual plans of study. This, uh, this data is uh, task completion in Zello, which is the, um, uh, the, the program that students use to develop their individual plans of study in, in, in grades 7 through 12. So the scale might change, um, but the, the structure of the way in which you would read those, um, the data is, would, would stay the same um, from data set to data set. So, Looking at some possible data elements that we um, anticipate sharing with, um, with the site councils, their state assessment scores, and it'd be MAP scores, ACT and graduation date, uh, some discipline data, attendance, individual plans of study, uh, some course success inform in information, and so on. Okay, okay. Yeah, just one thing. Um, the other thing, and Dan mentioned that we um, will have this for buildings too, but so for example, as at, let's say I'm the building principal. I can pick any school I want. I'm just kidding. But if I were to pick a school, let's say I'm the principal at Shawnee Mission Northwest. So I would have this district data, and then I'm also going to have a template for my particular building. So they, as a district, we'll talk about the district numbers, and then we'll break into those site council meetings as buildings, and those building site councils will then get their building templates so that we can add to this over the five-year course period. And so, you know, someone may say, some of these things aren't going to apply to elementary schools, ACT scores. And I, I always tend to disagree with that because I think ACT scores start when they enter our doors, whether that means they're three, four, five, doesn't matter. That's when the, those AT, ACT scores really start to build. And so I think it'll be important for the West Elementary Schools to look at, the, at West High School ACT scores and say, this is where, I mean, those teachers played a very important role in those ACT scores if they've been there for very long. So I think it's important to, to share all those data sets with everybody in the feeder pattern, if not the particular buildings. So kind of excited. Principals are really excited about um, being able to, to see those templates over a five-year period as we implement the strategic plan. I would also add that back in the data protocol, as a result of um, changing our data practices a little bit, we've also updated the website on research in the district. So for people that are wanting to do research with the district, that website's out there with all the permissions you would need to be doing that research. Board member questions? Yes, Reverend Guy. So explain to me this all seems like this is going to be a new format that site cancels. So what was done previously with site cancels? What information were they given and what kind of? So um, there's some consistency over the last two years in regards to KISA primarily, the consistency around KISA. But also each building has a little bit of autonomy to share whatever they choose to with site cancels. So some site cancels have been extremely robust and very data rich, while others not so much. So we're going to, those that are, you know, running the race, we're excited to help to keep supporting them. But those that need a little bit of help, we're going to help them with the templates and 
Um, everybody will be using the templates though. Even if I've already been sharing with my site councils over the years, we're all gonna move to the consistent templates so that everybody looks the same and we all know, you know, if I'm, if I'm moving from Pawnee to Westridge next year as a parent, I'm still gonna see the same template all the way through. And will those templates be available to parents who aren't on the site council as well? Yeah, we're going to uh, place them on the district ones. We're going to place on the, the strategic planning website, almost like a live scorecard. We'll update them throughout the year. Obviously, things like ACT and state assessments will only update annually. But their map will update as we have that information. And uh, we'll be encouraging buildings to do the same thing. Okay, thank you. Any other questions? Yes, Dr. Sinclair. Um, thank you. The the data, the possible data elements. That is that a conversation that's still in progress, and that this was more about the format, correct? Right. Okay. Right. And that okay. will some of that work will be done by the groups that we're forming. For example, the real world learning group is going to have to look at important indicators about college and career readiness. Okay. Particularly as we begin to look at um, fairly detailed data like market value assets. Market value assets would be, um, let's say that I want to be uh, a plumber and there's some uh, certification that I can get coming out of high school that would help me mm -hmm. along that journey. Mm -hmm. That would be an example of a market value asset. And so some of the data are pretty standardized, ACT and so on, but other things are going to become more customized to the learner. But we, we can measure the increase in market value assets among our students. You, know, you can look at how many kids do we have this year, how many students are getting market value assets next year, and so on. So that's... Those are some of the metrics that we need to go through and really carefully review. Um, there are other things that we'll do that we won't necessarily report out. You know, when you're in a PLC, you're looking at uh, performance, uh, formative assessment data, for example. That's not necessarily something that we would report out globally, but it's, it's, it's information that a school might use. Is, Part of their continuous improvement process so different assessment will have different purposes i think the big thing is is that we not fixate on any one indicator but instead step back and take a big picture view of how are we doing across the board with all of our students mm -hmm. and and also really focus on those leading indicators like algebra 2 course completion or ELA, I'm mastering important competencies in ELA that help me to be college and career ready. I mean, those leading indicators are arguably more important than things like the ACT. When, yes, you take it, but the learning that leads up to it is already done. Mm -hmm. We want to get, as Dr. Hubbard was saying, way back into the system and make sure we're doing everything we can to help children along the way, not just they get to those exit outcomes like the ACT. Yeah. Thank Mary, you very much. I would add, we put POSP on here because of, like, for example, the, the Real World Committee. There are, and I'm going to do this off the top of my head, I believe five indicators that we will have to track for that particular grant. One of them being um, the number of 
college credits that kids graduate with. So we're, we're getting ready to really start looking at that baseline right now, and we will have to track that through the grant. So there are some indicators in the grant that will be a given. And then um, this student and community perception survey, so that's one of the action steps in the strategic planning. We don't necessarily know what that looks like yet, so it's possible because I think it's coming, but we don't know what that looks like yet, so we won't have a baseline for that. Thank you. I have one question, and maybe I missed it. So um, the rollout next week is at the 18th of all the districts. Like, oh. It is. Okay. It is. Yeah. Um, is that what we're going to be presenting here, is what you just showed us, that the, the criteria, the template, or is there going to be data, baseline data provided also? Yeah. We'll have the data. Okay. Right. Both district and we're hopeful building as well. Yeah. And, and, okay. and there is this, um, we expect feedback. Um, from from those groups also, so there may be a sense of you know I I might create a graph that looks very confusing okay. you know to the group, and so there might be some um, going back to the drawing board. Or the group might say you know have you looked at um, the data from some other perspective, and and there might be some other modification that happens in that group as well. Okay. So thank you, Mrs. Housley. Mm -hmm. is, is the September eighteenth meeting is that just for the site council folks, or is anyone in that community? Like if you're just a parent and you want to know what is in your, what your building's numbers are, can you come to that? So meeting? the meeting itself is for the site councils, but it is an open meeting if they wanted to be an observer. Okay, thanks. And, and just district data at that point. Okay, thank you. Anyone else? Great, thank you for your work on this, appreciate it. Yeah. Anything else on that item, Dr. Fulton? No. Okay. Thank you. All right. Move on to consent um, uh, section four. I'll turn to board members. Does anyone have any items on the consent agenda they would like to be removed for individual consideration? Seeing I none. Go I ahead. move approval of the consent agenda. Thank you, Mrs. Zila. Second. Thank you, Mrs. Goodburn. All those in favor of approving the items on the consent agenda, please say aye. 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 And those opposed, nay. That's approved seven zero. Move on to the action items, and our first action is action item is 5.01, and this is the approval of the naming of our new aquatic facility. Dr. Fulton. Well, it's very exciting. We have a new facility that's going to open in the very near future, and it needs a name. So I'm recommending to the board tonight that we name the facility the Shawnee Mission School District Aquatic Center. Very descriptive. <laughs> I'd move approval. Second. <laughs> thank you. That's thank you, Mrs. Mack. Thank you, Mrs. Zila. It's been moved and seconded to approve the name of the building as the Shawnee Mission School District Aquatic Center. I will turn to any board members for any questions or discussion on the motion. Of course, of course. Dr. Sinclair, <laughs> you bet. No, no, go ahead. So I did hear from a couple of folks um, who were kind of pushing forward on the acronym and what it might be called. Um, and, and there was uh, just a suggestion that if it gets abbreviated, it's helpful to know what district this aquatic center is in. So the Shawnee Mission Aquatic Center, or SMAC, was one of the suggestions. There was also a recognition that we have a SMAC PTA, but that perhaps there is room for both of these acronyms to coexist, perhaps. But So I thought I would just share that because, you know, it's helpful to know what district we're going to when we're using our acronym. So I well, just thought I'd put that out there. Nomenclature certainly develops over time, doesn't it? It will be called by some acronym, and 
we're going to find out soon what sure. that would be. Yeah. Sure. Um, we did. We did want to make certain that people fully understood that this is Shawnee, the Shawnee Mission School District's facility. So that's why we put that in the name. Yes, other questions? Mrs. Just Zayla? a comment, mm -hmm. actually. I think since we have called it the Aquatic Center for since we broke ground yeah. or since before we broke ground when we did the last bond issue, I like very much that that continuity lives on here. If we call it the District Aquatic Center, the DAC, or whatever, what, whatever, that so be it. But um, I, And I love having the school district in there as well because Shawnee Mission Post Offices are everywhere, but this is the school district's property. So anyway, that's my two cents. We saw it this afternoon, and it's, a, it's coming along so beautifully, and it's going to be an amazing place for our swimmers. Anyone else on the motion? All those in favor of the name as proposed, please say aye. 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 Those opposed, nay. It passed 7-0. They can start printing out the names on, on new signs. <laughs> uh, next item we have is uh, action item 5.02, and uh, we have a proclamation for National Suicide Prevention Month. And uh, Mrs. Mack, uh, I'd like to see if you'd like to present and, and read it for us tonight. I would. Thank you, Mr. Stratton. I move for approval the following proclamation for National Suicide Prevention Month. Whereas September is Suicide Prevention Month across the United States and in Johnson County as well, this, this helps promote resources and awareness around the issues of suicide prevention and whereas in the United States one person dies by suicide every 11.9 minutes with 44,000 193 deaths by suicide in our country during 2015, and suicide was the second leading cause of death for the 15 to 24-year-old age group in the state of Kansas. And whereas each person's death by suicide intimately affects at least six other people, with over 250,000 newly bereaved each year, and whereas suicidal thoughts can affect anyone, regardless of age, gender, or background. Many people who struggle with thoughts of suicide have not received effective behavioral health services for many reasons, including the difficulty of accessing services, the stigma of behavioral health treatment, and the stigma associated with losing a loved one to suicide. <coughs> and whereas the Shawnee Mission Board of Education is committed to saving and supporting life with our community partners through awareness, education, and outreach, and Whereas far too many Johnson County residents die by suicide each year, and most of these deaths are preventable. Therefore, be it resolved that the Board of Education of Shawnee Mission School District 512 of Johnson County, Kansas, does hereby proclaim September 2019 as Suicide Prevention Month and urges all citizens to recognize and participate in its observance. So, uh, Board of Education, Shawnee Mission USD 512, so moved. Thank you for the motion, Mrs. Mack. Thank you for the second, Mrs. Zila. All those in favor, please say aye. 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 And those opposed, nay. And that passes 7-0. Thank you for that. And uh, we now move to uh, our board comments. And I'll turn to board members with uh, board comments. Yes, Mrs. Mack. <laughs> Thank you. Mm -hmm. um, 
I was I asked Mr. Stratton to read that proclamation because um, as, as, as I have been open over the years, my family was touched by suicide when my brother took his life several years ago. And um, I'm thankful that the superintendents continue to meet about this topic. Um, and I know um, that you have done that. So, and I was going to turn to Dr. Fulton and ask for an update or if, if one is going to be forthcoming. Uh, yes, at the next board meeting as part of my superintendent report, I'll provide an update on where we are with the zero reasons why effort uh, across the county. Thank you. I had asked him to, to talk about that because there are many things that we have done already in the district and I don't know Dr. McKinney has been in, um, at the forefront of, of that. Um, we've also talked about possible mental wellness certification for our staff. So other things are happening um, throughout the district. Um, on a much lighter note, <laughs> I just, um, I want to take this opportunity to, I wish Kim was still here. The foundation breakfast was exceptional. She was a terrific master of ceremonies. So she did a great job. And it is an overwhelming effort of the communications department. And um, David Smith was maybe thrown one curveball. I don't know. I, I don't think anybody saw it coming. But, um, and it was a terrific effort on behalf of the students and everybody on the communications department. They did a great job. Um, another hero of mine is Terry Geenans um, for caring for kids. And again, Dr. McKinney <laughs> is involved with that as well. Um, but I'm uh, at a future board meeting, I'm going to share the numbers of the amount of people and projects um, and students that have been impacted in our district by caring for kids and the volunteer framework that it provides for us. Terry does an exceptional job with that. And finally, I wanted to thank because I've asked for this so often. Thank you, Harbinger, for the very first student newspaper of the year. I pre we appreciate you all sending us a copy of it, and I hope that all of our high schools and our elementaries and our middle schools send us copies of your, um, your newspapers or anything else you publish, because um, I, for one, and I'm sure am joined by many, that we do like to read them and keep up. Thank you. Thank you. Other board members, Mrs. Goodman. Um, I just wanted to share, and I will pass this along to um, Ms. Wintering for us all so you don't have to write it down right now, but there is a Hispanic Heritage Program going on at North. There, I saw on Twitter that they're planning it, and so I asked for the date and the time, and it's October 17th from 10 to 1110, um, probably in the, I imagine, the auditorium at North, but we'll get the information, but I want you to put it on your calendars now if you're interested in going. Um, also, and that's been planned by Natalie Johnson, who is um, one of our Teacher of the Year candidates that we're going to be celebrating on Sunday night when we go to the Teacher of the Year banquet this Sunday. So Natalie Johnson is our um, representative for the um, uh, secondary schools, and then Melissa Molteni is from Corinth, I believe, is the elementary representative, and so we'll be cheering them on on, on Sunday night. So anyway, that's all I have. Great. Thank you. Other board members? Yes, Ms. Zowsley. Um, I am participating in a climate summit on Saturday, and I wanted to give a shout out to our own Joan Levins, who's done a significant amount of work with some of the students in the district um, regarding actions students can take to protect the environment, and she's put together a lot of things, and so shout out to Joan for all your efforts on that. It's very much appreciated. Thank you. Great. Thank you. Anyone else? Well, I'm looking to see if there's any students here, and I could really compliment a few people by asking them if they are students, <laughs> um, but I don't see any, so I was going to give them credit for sticking it out for a meeting here. Um, with that, a uh, reminder that our next meeting is September 23rd, and I now turn to Mrs. Owsley for a motion to move to executive session. 
I move we go into executive session to discuss negotiations pursuant to the exception for employer-employee negotiations under COMA, and the board will reconvene in the boardroom at... Need a five-minute break in there as well? Yeah, and how about if we go to 7.30, because that'll give us 20 minutes. Yeah. Okay, uh, with a five-minute break until 7.30. Mm -hmm. Second. Thank you, Mrs. Housley. Thank you, Mrs. Zila. All those in favor, please say aye. 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 And those opposed, nay. That passes 7-0. Thank you for being here. After our executive session, there will be no other business this evening. Thank you.